Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. It's me, John B., John Burke, BurkeReviews.com, solo this week. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't sync up our times. You know, that is one of the struggles with us being about five to six hours apart, depending on daylight savings time. And Matt really wanted to talk about today's movie, but we just couldn't make it happen. So I decided not to uh, do what we did a couple weeks ago and just not have an episode. Instead, I'm giving you just me, JB, here to talk about drive-away dolls. Um, because I'm alone, I'm going to jump into it, and this won't be as long as usual, um, since, you know, there's no one to bounce any ideas off of or talk about their opinions of things, so it's just going to be my unfiltered opinions. I might give a few of the uh, the normal segments, but mostly we're going to talk about drive-away dolls. If you haven't seen it yet, it is playing currently in theaters everywhere. Um, it has quite a pedigree behind it. Uh, the directorial debut, solo debut of Ethan Cohen. Obviously, the Cohen brothers, uh, two of my favorite filmmakers. I love so many of their fil- films. Inside Leland Davis is my favorite, but that's not to say I think it's the best. It's just my personal favorite. It really connects with me in a lot of different ways. Um, but this is Ethan's solo rec- uh, directorial film. Um, Joel did uh, late... Macbeth, tragedy of Macbeth could not remember the full title there a couple of years ago I think just after the pandemic it was on Apple TV plus uh this is not like that at all um he co-wrote with his wife uh Trisha Cook who I've heard from sources is definitely a, a hand in the directing much like Ethan always had a hand in the directing of all the Cohen films even though Joel is always billed as the director uh the cast in Drive Away Dolls stars Margaret Qualley Geraldine Viswanathan, I hope I said that right. I meant to do some prep, and I did not. I apologize. I, I am a huge fan of Geraldine. I just have not mastered the pronunciation of her last name. Uh, if you're a listener to the show, though, you know I tend to be bad at that. Anyways, so uh, Beanie Feldstein, um, I would say, is third lead. And we got some uh, big-time players, Joel Slotnick, C.J. Wilson, Coleman Domingo, Bill Camp, Pedro Pascal, and an actor whose name I will remain who I will not mention, however, he is in the trailer, so if you have seen the trailers, you've already seen some other people who are in this, but the synopsis, Jamie, an uninhibited free spirit bemoaning yet another breakup with a girlfriend, and her demure friend, Marion, desperately needs to loosen up. In search of a fresh start, the two embark on an impromptu road trip to Tallahassee, but things quickly go awry when they cross paths with a group of inept criminals along the way. That's not a totally accurate description of the plot of this film, but it's not really at that concerned with the plot, which I will be talking about momentarily. Uh, how How is this being received? Well, um, I don't think enough people know what this movie is, uh, but 66% RT uh, critic score, 34% RT audience score. This movie is definitely going to rub some people the wrong way, for sure. Especially if you don't like the, the humor that the Coens tend to bring. Uh, 58 meta score, 6.1 IMDb user score, and a 3.1 on Letterboxd. And I will say right up front, that's about where this sits for me. Is it's it's middling. Um, I found a lot of it very charming, very funny. Uh, it was raunchier than I was expecting. Um, much uh, I'm going to quote Devinder Hardware from the film cast. Uh, much hornier than I was expecting from a Cohen film. Um, there's a lot of raising Arizona in this movie, so those who have seen the filmography of the Coens will definitely recognize. Uh, I was convinced going into this that Margaret Qualley's character was supposed to be related to the two characters uh, from Raising Arizona, because I'm just like, well, it's got to be 
right? The 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 accent she's doing. What else could it be? But um, there, it's not indicated that is the case. But it still has that spiritual kind of sequel to it, um, as far as tone and and sensibilities. It is a period piece. It's set in 1999. Um, my understanding uh, from listening to the Big Picture podcast, um, and I'm going to forget the guy who wrote a book about the Coens who was on that episode, um, said that this script has been in the works for like 20 plus years, though. So, like, being a period piece is maybe questionable. It may have not been a period piece if it had been originally greenlit when the idea was, was prompted. It is still a period piece now. It's set in 1999. Uh, there's a very brief reference to the Y2K. And if you're looking for a Y2K movie, I want to throw out. Uh, shout out to a review we did, uh, I think last year, maybe the year before, Millennium Bugs. Um, a friend of the podcast, Alejandro uh, Montoya Marin, directed film. Really great Y2K movie. This isn't really focused on the Y2K part of it whatsoever. Um, it's it's a rom-com, kind of. It's there. Um, you know, Quali uh, and um, Geraldine are incredible. I, I think they make the movie extremely watchable. The two of them have some solid chemistry. It's a very traditional comedy pairing. You have the one who's very free-spirited and the, the tightwad who's... Uh, tightwad's not the right word, but, you know, the one who's uh, uptight is what I'm trying to say. And struggling to to loosen up a little bit. And that is the dynamic. And it, it mostly works. Um, I, I The movie felt very chopped up to me. Like, there were major scenes missing for the plot or the story to work. And in that way, the film feels a lot more sketch comedy and uh, even situationally, um, which works at times. It's funny. It's entertaining. Uh, but if you're looking for, like, a deeper meaning or something behind what's happening, I don't think the film does a good job of really exploring any of those themes. Um, there are major parts where it just feels like there there's something missing. And I don't want to get into, like, spoiler territory and things like that, but um, even the the dynamic of their friendship... Um, a lot of it feels rushed or shorthand, and that works in comedy, but it still, it just, it felt less than, I think, because of that. And again, I think this is a good movie. I think it's entertaining. I think, again, it's it's going to uh, appeal to a certain sensibility. It won't work for everybody. And if there's some, again, some right away, early, like first five minutes, you're going to know if you're on this film's wavelength or not in terms of its sexuality. And if you're not, you're going to be checked out and you're probably not going to want to sit through the rest of it. On that note, though, Something that this show often complains about is the length of the film. This film is under 90 minutes. I think it clocks in at a total of 84, and that's including the credits. So it's real short, and that's uncommon nowadays. So bonus points for that. Um, it doesn't overstay its welcome whatsoever, although I like these characters. So I would have been content to give me 10, 20 more minutes and flesh out some of the themes that I think are present in the, in the story. And um, I was disappointed in that way. Uh, a lot of times throughout the film, I'm like, oh, well, why is that? Or how did this happen? Or why is this still a thing? Um, even why they're going to Tallahassee is Geraldine has an aunt there. And that is pretty much dropped until like the end of the film. And then when the way that that aunt is referenced doesn't really add up in terms of like what's going on on screen. I don't, again, I don't want to give any specifics away. It's, it's a throwaway moment, so it doesn't affect the actual plot whatsoever. But it, to me, is, like, emblematic of what I'm talking about when I say it feels chopped up and a little sloppy. Um, Big Tuna, who I also reference on this show a lot, had uh, said this was in, uh, like, a tribute to um, 60s, 70s exploitation-type films. And one in which he mentioned was uh, Faster Pussycat Kill Kill, which I had 
almost seen a few years ago, but then ended up not going to, it was, uh, they were doing a retro screening at a film festival here. I ended up not seeing it. So I watched it, uh, since seeing Driveway Dolls and I don't really see that connection in the same way. Um, I, I do in the sense that the, the events in Faster Pussycat Kill Kill are wild. Like they don't make sense. They don't necessarily logically add up, but I think in terms of the plotting of the film, they they add up perfectly. There's no big chunks that feel missing, which was my criticism of Driveway Doll. So I still don't quite see that comparison. Um, I, I've heard a few other people reference the exploitation film, and I, I think that part is there. But as far as like my issues with the the structure and the plot of the story in this film, it doesn't solve my my concerns. Um, but on that note, if you like the Coens, if you like a lot of their comedies, especially Burn After Reading, um. Uh, intolerable cruelty, maybe Hudsucker Proxy. I don't think as much with that one, um, but it's it's middling, I would say overall. But with great lead performances, these two actresses deserve to be recognized. If you haven't seen, um, Quali's been in a, a few big movies, but she has been kind of a side character. Uh, Once upon a time in Hollywood is obviously a big one. She's in Poor Things from last year, uh, but barely. Like she's briefly in it she's in the nice guys but she's kind of the MacGuffin in the nice guys so she's like referenced more so than she's the lead um there's a really underseen movie called sanctuary from technically 2022 but it was in neon's box set last year a uh, really good movie um and i have not seen palo alto and a few of her other films but she's great in all of those um but from what i can tell she hasn't gotten a lot of opportunities to lead and here she's great and geraldine on the other hand um, I have seen uh, her lead a couple of movies. Even if she's not the lead, she's uh, always kind of in the the mix. So Blockers was her big breakout. Uh, she's John Cena's daughter in that movie, and phenomenal. Bad Education, good movie. Um, she's a smaller role in it, but she's really good at it. The Broken Hearts Gallery, I liked a lot. It's a really solid rom-com um, with the dude from Stranger Things season two and three. I don't remember his name, but he was uh, Max's brother that guy um and then she was in a uh uh lockdown comedy called seven days that i thought was fantastic i saw at i think tribeca um a couple years ago i really enjoyed that movie and she is the 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 lead in that so if you want to see uh these two actresses and some other stuff that's what they have currently um but let's support this film hopefully just so they get more roles because they are very very talented and they deserve some more attention so um, I am positive. I would say uh, if we're doing the tomato score, I'm giving it a thumbs up. Um, if we we're saying, like, is this a masterpiece? I'm saying no, it's not. Um, is it something you could skip? Yeah, but don't because these are the small comedies that deserve some attention and they don't get enough love from studios. And I'd love to see more of these 90-minute comedies getting some theatrical releases and not just dumped on streaming services. So, again, if you can get to the theater safely to see this, check it out. Okay. I am going to do Concessions of a Cinephile, but not to the full extent that we were going to. But um, you guys have probably seen, if you're like uh, me and you live in the movie world, um, you've seen the AMC Dune Part 2 Sandworm Popcorn Bucket. Um, it's wild. It has a giant sandworm that you are supposed to stick your hand in to get the popcorn. Now, there's been a lot of jokes. I'm not going to make any of them right now of what it resembles. Um, and there's been tons of... Uh, reactions from the cast seeing this popcorn bucket including Villeneuve uh the director um and all of them are kind of baffled at like why would you do this and then not long after they announced this uh we we get Ghostbusters um Frozen Tundra whatever the crap it's called 
uh, that Matt and I have talked about that movie several times, but we've got tons of different popcorn buckets depending on where you go. There's a, a ghost trap, which looks so cool, and I would love to own that one, but I think it's like 30 or 40 bucks. Um, there's a Slimer at Cinemark, but he has butt cheeks. Uh, like, it's wild, these popcorn buckets that we're getting. And again, the resale on these uh, on eBay jump up a lot. Pe- people who love these movies want to collect these buckets. And movie theaters have done collectible buckets in the past. So usually they're just like a plastic bucket with a you know, poster or something on them or characters or something, you know, referencing the, the movie. Every once in a while, they'll do like a special like tin bucket. Like we got a Mean Girls bucket from the musical a few weeks ago. Um, that just has a bunch of slogans and quotes from the movie with like little graphics. It's, it's cool. Uh, we didn't pay extra for it. We, we lucked out and they were just, they ran out of regular buckets. So they were giving away the, the collector buckets. Um, but, and then like, I think the Taylor Swift, uh, Eras tour had a special popcorn, like tins and things like that. So this is not new per se, but we're seeing like the level of what the bucket is, is getting bigger. And I think in, um, they did something for uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, too. I think they had an Ecto-1. So we were just talking about it, and I thought it'd be fun to think of movies from the past, movies from back in the day. If they had gotten this treatment, what would their special bucket have been? Would would they have gone too extreme? Like, the sandworm is pushing the boundaries of, like, especially, again, because you're sticking your hand in the sandworm's mouth. If you've seen any of Dune, you know that's not where you want to be. So... The idea uh, was to bounce ideas off and make some jokes. Um, the, the obvious joke, and this is, um, if you've ever listened to Doug Loves Movies, this is a joke that happens. Anytime you're asked to say something kind of silly about a movie, you say a very serious movie. So imagine Schindler's List, and they had, like, a red coat popcorn bucket. Like, that would have been insane. It feels like something they might have done, though, right now. Because, obviously, they do this. They're hoping to get people in the door. They're hoping to get people buying the concessions and spending a little extra money Um and that's that's their big hope, and we are seeing that trend uh, escalate as theaters are looking for any way to get people into the the, the seats and buying the concessions because that's where theaters make their money. So I, I don't want to discourage it, but it is pretty wild. So um, just a couple of other fun ideas, um, like Casablanca. If we had Casablanca popcorn bucket, maybe Rick's hat, you know, um, like. Uh, or or the piano, right? Like, those could be really fun, like, yellow piano full of popcorn. Um, a lot of these popcorn buckets aren't practical for storing a lot of popcorn either, which is always interesting when they are oddly shaped. It's like, well, are you getting less popcorn? Because, you know, if you're spending 20 to $30 on these collectible buckets, you want at least a large popcorn in that, I would imagine. Um, but... Um, that's, I, I really needed Matt to bounce off more ideas. I got nothing else, folks. But there, you know, we could go old school. Uh, any any movie with iconic things, Jaws of Giant Shark, obviously, or or Quint's boat, uh, the Orca. Uh, that that would have been an awesome popcorn bucket. I actually really want that. They should do that at a retro screening. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, hit us up on socials. What what popcorn buckets? What movies from the past would you like collectible popcorn buckets? Uh, for and what would they be? Would they be something outrageous like a Slimer with a with butt cheeks or would they just be a bucket with you know a poster on them? those are kind of boring so go with the fun ones um media consumption movies podcasts that we've been watching or listening uh, i i mentioned recently i've gotten back into wrestling so the elimination chamber was uh technically live but it was in australia so it was live at like 5 a.m in the morning on saturday uh the 20 whatever 24th i think is right um and i didn't watch it live i watched it on the re- you can watch it anytime on peacock and uh really good pay-per-view uh, or it's not called pay-per-view anymore. It's a uh, premium live event, PLE. 
Uh, I'm, I'm learning. I've only recently gotten back into wrestling, but all because CM Punk came back and then got hurt. But Cody Rhodes, Seth Rollins, those are my guys. If you're into wrestling, hit me up. Um, Movie-wise, I reviewed uh, Spaceman, a new Adam Sandler film that's on Netflix. My full review's up at BerkReviews.com. Um, interesting movie. Didn't love it, but... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. It is not at BerkReviews.com. That one is at Disappointment Media. Sorry, I wrote that one for the other site. Um, I, I mentioned I watched Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Uh, actually, solid movie. I think it is on Tubi. I'm pretty sure I watched it for free with commercials. Um, if it's not Tubi, it's one of those free with commercial streaming services. Um, unlike the pay for streaming services that have commercials now, like Netflix and Amazon, take that. Uh, and I'm listening to the Blank Check podcast. They're currently covering John McTiernan. Um, I'd never seen The Hunt for Red October, so I finally remedied that. Uh, full disclosure, I did fall asleep through part of it. I don't blame the movie. I was just really tired. Um, I did get woken up. In it, but because of gunfire in a submarine, and that was terrifying. Uh, so I don't recommend falling asleep during that movie because it will wake you up in a scary fashion. But um, overall, I enjoyed the movie. I, I again, I don't blame the movie for my my falling asleep. It's just I'm getting old, and sometimes I need a nap. Uh, that was the day I needed a nap. Um, lastly, before I go, I'm going to tell you how I'm staying bloody awesome, and that this uh week i am back in school i'm going for my doctorate in uh education i think i've mentioned that previously um and i got my first 100 on a quiz uh i've been getting one wrong every week for the last three weeks of class and i've been frustrated because i'm like one wrong every time i'm just like one off uh and this week i got 100 so i was excited to finally uh break that that trend i I am an A student. I'm a teacher for a reason. Uh, I'm, that's something I'm just always into. So I was excited to uh, finally get that check and um, not have the, the one wrong. So that's how I'm staying bloody awesome. Uh, Matt's staying bloody awesome by staying busy and unable to record this week. So um, he will be back because next week, folks, next week's a big episode. Uh, Dune Part 2 is dropping in theaters. I saw this two weeks ago. Matt is seeing it this weekend. We are going to do everything in our power to make sure we are here to talk about this film. Uh, Dune Part 1 was Matt's favorite film of 2021. I initially gave it four and a half stars. I rewatched it about a month ago in IMAX, and it jumped up to five for me. I also am a big fan of the first one, but a little late to the party. Um, that said... Uh, we're talking Dune Part 2 next week. My review for it is at BerkReviews.com. That time it is accurate. Uh, in the meantime, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, again, let us know your your preference of movie popcorn buckets. Uh, on Twitter, we're at BAMP underscore podcast. Um, Instagram threads, TikTok, Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Facebook, you can just search Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. Um, we are Tomato Meter approved, so check out Rotten Tomatoes and our I think I'll get to give a thumbs up on this one, unless Matt really didn't like it. I, I don't know. I actually haven't heard from him yet. Um, individually, you can follow me at BerkReviews.com and at BerkReviews on all the social media platforms. And Matt's over at WhatIWatchTonight.co.uk and WhatIWatchTonight on all the socials. Um, just search for it. You'll, it'll pop up. Uh, if you like what we're doing here at the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, our usual format where there's two of us and not just me rambling for 20 minutes, um, please give us that five-star rating on whatever podcast catcher you listen to. If this is the first time you're hearing the podcast, I am sorry. It's just me. It's usually got a great British guy uh, with a cool accent talking against my possibly grating voice. Either way, um, we, we hope you come back for another episode because, again, we're talking Dune Part 2 next week. Uh, with that, keep watching movies.
blood, 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 bloody 